and I'm so excited that you're here on the Dating Advisory Board. Anne McCabe Trania is the President and CEO of Wealth Advisor at Curo Private Wealth. She has been interviewed on Federal News Radio, WTOP Sister Station, ABC7, News Channel 8, NTN24, and Telemundo, Washington. She was recently invited to speak about multi-generational wealth transfer at the 2013 Barron's Top Women Financial Advisors, but she was also chosen um, as one of the top wealth advisors by Washingtonia, Washingtonian, and she is the adjunct professor at AU. So congratulations. Thank you, Jen. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So um, I know your story, uh, but can you give the audience a little bit of background of like how you came to be, how did you actually became to own your own wealth management company. Sure. So I'm from Atlanta originally, going way back, but I've been in the DC area since right before middle school. So I went to middle school here, high school, uh, went to Mason for my degree in economics. And when I graduated uh, school, I was recruited by American Express Financial Advisors to become a financial advisor. So that's how I got into the business initially. And from Amex, I went to UBS, and then in March of 2010, decided to, to go independent and start my own company. So I'm obviously majorly oversimplifying all those years and everything that happened in between. Um, I always share with people that the first three to four years were very challenging. It was long hours, lots of cold calling. I almost quit so many times, I can't even tell you, but I'm grateful that I didn't and right. really feel like I've found my calling and what I'm supposed to do. And I think that translates a lot into the dating world where people are saying, well, I'm gonna just give up, I'm not gonna date because hey, you know, I had a string of bad dates or I can't find anybody online or I go out and I'm not meeting anybody. I mean, that's the same in the business world. Like, so if you just give up on your clients, that's it. I mean, maybe right. you didn't put the effort into it. Right, exactly. And I remember having the feeling when, after I graduated, I thought I was going to go in one career and yeah. that didn't end up working out for various reasons. And I remember feeling similar, like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm lost. And giving up a little bit of that control and the obsession over the unknown and of the over the future for me was really helpful because this ended up really finding me and i think in the dating world it's similar the more you're obsessing over something and thinking about it all the time i think if you can let that go a little bit and trust that whoever is meant to be with you is out there and you'll find him or her and just sort of give up a little bit of that obsession, I, I think that's really healthy. Yeah, and I think so too. I think that once you stop focusing on, when you start, I should say it this way, it, once you start focusing on yourself and what you want to do and what you're going to accomplish, that's when the people come in that yes, you don't expect. Absolutely. Right? I mean, yeah, because if you don't know what you want right? or what you bring to the table, how are you going to know exactly who you should be with, right? Right, so and I if you have your agree. purpose and your mission and you're just like, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to put my time into my job and my friends. And when you're a happy person, you tend to attract happy people. But yes. if you're in a negative Nancy kind of mood, I mean, you're probably going to attract some Nancy negative, negative yeah. Nancys in that kind of scenario. Right. And you're definitely detracting the positive people that you probably want in your life because positive people do not want anything to do with negative people. No, no, yeah. no. And they can turn around and be sarcastically funny about it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> a bonus. Um, so let me, this is why I, I'm so excited to have you on the show because the main focus that I want to talk about, um, and I know my li the listeners will want to hear as well, is how important it is to invest in yourself and your future in business and in dating? Yeah, I love this question and I love that you say invest, that you use the word invest because we could go in so many different directions with that word, right? You can invest in your business, you can invest money in your business, time, your energy, 
And the same goes in the dating world. But I'm a huge believer that we have to invest in ourselves. And you mentioned as well, you know, making sure that we're happy and we're healthy and we're taken care of. Um, so from a personal perspective, you can invest in a gym membership to make sure that your physical health is taken care of. Um, notice I said invest, not donate. Right. right. So many people <laughs> donate their gym membership. Yeah, fees. That, is, that is not a nonprofit. No. So do not put that in the philanthropy category. That right. is a uh, just That's a waste good. of money. But if you invest in a gym membership and you use it and you also invest time in understanding yourself and what you want out of life and what you want out of a relationship what you're willing to accept and what you're not willing to accept what I call non-negotiable issues then I think that that's that's great and it's when you're good with yourself that you can really be great in a relationship yeah because you know who you are Mm -hmm. right and if you're spending too much time trying to be someone that you're not. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot about this in the business boardroom. And um, if you walk in the boardroom one way and you come out and act a different way, why why are you making it so much harder on yourself? Right, exactly. I mean, because do you even know who you are? Right. I mean, do you look in your mirror and like, oh, yeah, I mean, you know me, I'm the same way Mm -hmm. (laughs) in business. You're authentic. Yeah, I'm authentic. I love it. I mean, and, and, you know, there's... But there's times where you know you have to look in yourself and say, I don't. Those people that complain, I can't meet anyone. I can't do this. I can't do that. Or it's not working out in business, and I can't figure out why I'm not getting the clients. Well, maybe there is some issues with self confidence or really knowing what you want, mm-hmm. right? So, exactly. You know, and just being okay with who you are because you are enough. You know, you're not, and don't compete with other people. That's the one thing mm-hmm. that you know I've seen a lot, and especially, and then I know it's part of the sales people try to pin the other salespeople up against each other, right. which I think the is the competition. competition. Like, oh, look at her numbers. Like, she's, you know, way ahead of you. Well, that's not a way to get them motivated. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, talk about collaboration. Go to networking events together. Right. You know, I mean, I started teaming up with, a, you know, another girlfriend at work. I mean, she, well, she, number one, she's fun. But yeah. um, on the other side, I mean, that's that's how you build it. It's not a competition. I mean, and I my mindset wasn't always like that mm-hmm. until I started you know, going to, you know, quality events, becoming yeah. quality networking groups that said like, hey, it's collaboration. Right. Right. But you changed your mindset. I did. And that's, that was the key. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I, it wasn't about anybody else. It was about you. And I think that's huge. Yeah. And um, like I said, having that might right. And you talk about physical, you know, mm-hmm. if you're working out, I mean, it's proven that that'll help you concentrate better. It's better for your overall health and it creates endorphins. So yes. you're not, you know, on a negative spiral that you woke up on the wrong side right. of the bed. There's so it, many there's positives. There's so many positives on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we talk about an investment strategy when you're young, because mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the millennials, I don't know if, if, if you're seeing a change in that or, 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 or what, but I really think that I wish I would have had that information now when I was younger. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause I probably would have, you know, been able to do a little bit more, just having that education from them. Right. So let's go through how you would um, suggest an investment when you're young, even if they don't, maybe don't have enough money to invest. So let's just kind of go through that. Sure. Yeah. Um, so to answer the question of whether or not I think it's important to start when you're young, I cannot stress how important it is to start now. I don't care how old you are, as soon as possible now. And before I came over here, I ran some numbers. So I'm actually going to put some numbers behind why I think this is so important to to start investing as early and as often as possible. Um, so let's say we have two people. They're called Selma and Patty. I felt oh, like that's naming that. That's good. <laughs> Selma, let's go Selma, Selma. Patty. Yeah, let's see Selma. who, win. let's see okay, who let's... wins. The, who wins the 
this race because right. this is a race. This okay. is a competition. Okay, good. So Selma is smart and she starts investing when she's 25. Okay. And she invests $2,000 per year. It's like $160 a month on average. But she only does that for 10 years. So she invests $2,000 a year from the age of 25 to the age of 35, and then she stops. So she saves a total of $20,000. Then we have Patty, who waits until she's 35. Okay. So she doesn't start at 25. She also invests that same $2,000 per year, but she does so for 25 years. Hmm. So that's a total of $50,000. i will do the math for you, since I did it uh, before coming here. <laughs> okay, thanks. So Selma saves for 10 years, just yeah. to summarize. Patty saves for 25, same amount per year, assuming an 8% average return per year. Which one do you think has more money? Why are you putting me on the spot here? Do Probably you to, Patty. <laughs> I would think so, too. Most right. people would think so, because Patty saved way more money for a much longer amount of time. But Selma actually wins. Wow. So the numbers at the end is Selma will have almost $200,000, and Patty will have about 146000 Wow. Over $50,000 difference. Okay. Now, how did they get to that? What did they invest in? Well, that uh, well, I, we can talk about different okay. investment strategies, um, but it is important, actually, when you mention that, because I'm, I'm in an industry filled with disclosures, that I do need to disclose that I'm not promising you can get 8% return right. and past performance doesn't equal future results and all that good stuff. But the point of this exercise is to show you how powerful it is when you start early. You start at 25, you start at 30, 35. I don't care where you are, but starting now versus waiting 10 years, yeah. you get to save so much less because you have your money working for you. Right. So this is the principle of time value of money, which is so exciting. It's, you know, the compound interest and like the snowball effect Fact. that I get really excited yeah. about. Well, yeah. I mean, I, that's a huge profit there. I mean, it's, and that's just one way of making the money. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, exactly. That's not, and we'll get to the other strategies in a second. Um, so when you talk about strategies like the strategy in business and and, and how we can apply that in the dating world. Mm -hmm. so, so how, it, I mean, we talk a little bit about, you know, being aligned with who you are and, and knowing who you are and having the right mindset. Right. But, I mean, what would you say to somebody who said, you have somebody that's, um, you know, is newly single or, you know, a widow or, I mean, how would you, what would you say to them? And we'll talk about on the business side for mm -hmm. financial mm -hmm. and then also just for um, us on. Uh, yeah. Sure. Personal. So, my biggest advice to people who have just gotten out of a relationship, whether you were dating and you broke up or you were married and you uh, are divorced, is to try as hard as possible to get out of the denial phase as quickly as possible. And so when you break up or you have a divorce, it's, it's a grieving process. It's very similar to what you go through when you lose someone. And so I very much understand and respect that Denial is part of the process that you go through, but the sooner you can get through that denial and accept your new reality as what it is. My favorite saying in world in, in life is, it is what it is. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so as soon as you can accept what is and what is no longer, the sooner you can understand where you are from a financial perspective, what you want your future to be like, and start actually mapping out a plan for you to get there. So what we work really hard with, uh, with clients who have recently divorced is trying to get past that, I wish this would have happened, what, it, what could have been, what I thought it was going to be. I get it. I'm compassionate towards people who are going through a situation like this, but it's my 
job also to push them over that hump and say, okay, let's actually get some strategies in place. Let's rebuild your new financial plan. This is an yeah. awesome chapter in your life. We get to write it the way that we want to. But getting out of that denial is so important, uh, you know, as soon as possible. Yeah. Now, so when you talk about that, I mean, do they? What's your advice on financial planner, like having that budget and budgeting, and talk a little bit about how you come up with that plan. Yeah, sure. So a lot of it has to do with their personal situation. So one of the things that we will look at are their expenses and we like breaking expenses down into fixed. So expenses that are what they are, your mortgage, your utilities, you can't, you can't really, you know, change those unless you were to sell your, your place. Um, but then we also talk about discretionary expenses. Those are the fun ones like eating out and shopping and travel and things you have much more control over. So once we understand their expenses, then we talk about income sources, whether that's employment income or alimony income or wherever else, um, whatever other income sources they have coming in. And we look at what that looks like. So from a budgeting perspective, that's where we would would start. And we would also give recommendations and advice on where we think their money should go. Certainly we talk about saving. If they have children, we talk a lot about college planning. I was just going to ask about that. Yeah, we talk about retirement planning, of course. And I'm a huge believer that you need to make sure your retirement is set first before you are concerned about fully funding college for your children. So we, you know, we talk about priorities and yeah. we all have limited cash flow. In yeah. an ideal world, we'd have unlimited cash flow and we'd be able to achieve all our financial goals. And that's unfortunately not the case. So we have to deal with what, you know, the limited cash flow that we have. Yeah, no, and, and that's true when you talk about the cash flows. I mean, what do you suggest for couples or even married couples or, or dating or living together? Maybe they're not getting married, or but they're still sharing a place. How, what do you talk about about separate bank accounts? Yeah. Right? So, I mean, if they should be joint, um, what do you suggest? Yeah, I think a lot depends on the couple. So if you're living in a place together, I do think having at least one joint account makes sense. So you can both deposit money into the into that one account and pay bills for your place together. Um, what I definitely caution people on, though, is if you do decide that what makes the most sense is to join your accounts, which that's fine if that's what you decide for your relationship. But I still very much recommend that both parties keep their own individual accounts as well, because I think it's really important to have some money in your own name. You never know what's going to happen. And joint assets are jointly accessible. So both parties can can get into them, can get access. If things go down with your relationship, you want to make sure that you have a pot of money that you can access and you know nobody else can. Yeah, and I know we talked a little bit about this before, um, before we, you know, when we were talking, um, I think it was yesterday, when you're talking about widowers, right? Because we talked a little bit about how you said that, you know, most people don't plan because of, if you know, they said, what was the statistic? I don't Almost remember. Almost 80%. Yeah. Almost 80%. Yeah. So the statistic is almost 80% of us as women in the future will be solely responsible for making financial decisions because of either divorce or because we will um, outlive our spouse. Our spouse will predecease us. So I see in a lot of couples, typically and stereotypically, the male is the one who makes the financial decisions, the investments, usually the one who has the relationship with the financial advisor, which is all fine, but that doesn't mean that you as the woman, as the wife, can be in the dark, nor should you be in the dark. So you should have access to everything. You should have access to everything. Your names, you know, your name should be on everything. You should, there's also also should be full disclosure. You should know exactly what assets you have, what insurance policies you have, what your house is worth, what you owe on your mortgage. I'm not saying if you're if you don't enjoy that, you have to do it every day, but at least on an annual basis, you need to have a snapshot of your 
entire financial position. Super right. important. It, I think it's, I think you're right because I mean, there's so many times where you may not have a financial planner and you may not be the spouse that takes care of the bills. And so you don't know what's coming or coming out. So there's no way to, for you to say, well, I don't even know what my expenses would be. Right. So charting everything out. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, or if your spouse passes away and you don't even know what life insurance policies you have in place. How or are you, passwords to anything. Right, how are you supposed to right, be able to access anything? How are you gonna know whether it's this company or that company that you have to call to get the life insurance proceeds? I mean, a life insurance yeah. policy is only as good if you can reach the company and right, prove that, yeah, exactly, prove that your spouse passed away. Yeah, um, and so I'm gonna go back and look a little bit more on the investing side just because I'm, very curious. Mm -hmm. um, how do you? How do we know what to invest in? With there's so many options out there, and I know how <laughs> we'll talk about how it translates in the dating world too, because there are so many options, there's so many sites, there's so many apps. I mean, it can be overwhelming from right. the both the business side and, and personal side. So, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So investing strategies are really, really personalized. So um, it, it really does depend on your situation. When we're building a portfolio for clients and we're managing a portfolio for them, we do so understanding their current financial position, understanding their goals, their risk tolerance, their time horizon. So it's really, it's very personalized. Um, I, I do very much believe that working with a professional is very important. A good professional, a competent professional is really important because because we can help people decide what that investment strategy should look like. And we have access to all the, what I call the financial widgets, right? The stocks, the bonds, the mutual funds, all the stuff that's out there that is very overwhelming. Um, we live in, an, in a time where information is uh, abundant, right? Yes. We, we do not have a lack of information. The problem is I think we have too, too much. much information and it's hard to to make a decision, but uh, Vanguard, who is the company that is the king of do-it-yourself investing, came out with a study a few years ago. They were trying to quantify the value that a financial advisor brings to a relationship. And mind you, they're all about do-it-yourself investors, so you wouldn't think that they would Come pay, on with that. Yeah, that they would pay for a study like this. But what they found, which is fascinating, was working with a competent advisor who follows best practices, as they put it, and they have all the best practices in the study, you can get an average net excess return of about 3% by working with a good advisor. And that's net of fees. And about half of that, one and a half percent roughly of that, is because advisors help you manage your emotions when things are going crazy in the markets. So there's so many studies out there that if we let our emotions drive our investment decisions, we will not make money in the market and we will actually lose money. But if we can control our investments, buy when we should be buying, selling when we should be selling, right? Then we will actually win in the game of investing. And that's what a financial advisor can help do more than anything, I believe. So they have like the dating advisory board, right? Yeah. <laughs> you got your advisors and, exactly. and financial and, and coaches. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, th I think that's it. It shows true in the personal side mm -hmm. as well. I mean, how do you know who is a good investment? Mm -hmm. What are their qualities? They may up be up one day and what may be down the next, but I mean, how long do you hold on to that? Is it a good investment? Is it a good investment? Yeah, that's the key because you don't want to hold on to an investment or a relationship for that matter just because you think it's going to come back. It right. was good once and it may come back. Um, you know, if you held Enron stock, for example, all the way down thinking, oh, it's going to come back, it's going to come back. Obviously, we know how that story ended. So I do think it's also important to know when to walk away, right? When to sell or when to break up, as it as it were, in a relationship. Exactly. Um, you don't just want to hold on for, for sake of holding on. But if yeah. you have a good investment strategy, 
or a relationship, then you do want to hold on and you know that there are going to be ups and downs yeah, and peaks you know, and valleys. I mean, it just happens. Right. And nobody's perfect. No. So, you you know, holding on may make sense. Right. Right. So, so that kind of gets into when people do get discouraged, you know, in these, you know, abyss of the dating world. Right. And we talked a little bit about that. I mean, how would you um, from what would you say to those girlfriends? Do you have mm-hmm. any of those, those girlfriends who tell you stories like, yes. oh, I'm doing this app, but like, do you have any interesting stories of how it's completely overwhelming and what you actually say to them? Yeah, I have lots. Um, and I hear that I'm on this dating site and that dating site and I paid this amount of money to, you know, hire a matchmaker and this crazy story and that crazy story. And I think going back to one of the things that we talked about initially is sometimes when you are too obsessed over something, you need to give yourself a break. You need to just step back and maybe take a break from dating. I don't think that that's a bad thing. Assuming you're not completely quitting. You're just taking a break. You're taking a step back. And I found um, that when you do that, you sort of release the pressure and you say, okay, you know what? I trust it's going to happen. I'm not going to work on this for a little while and I'll come back to it. I actually think that that can, you know, you never know. Yeah. And you know, the other thing I want to say to those people, those friends or those parents who are pushing those, the kids like, well, you're at a certain age, you should be getting married. You should be having kids. Don't let anybody pressure you into anything. Right. I mean, it's actually an investment. Right. I mean, if you're finding someone pushing back at you, just be, well, this is my life. This isn't your life. Mm-hmm. Well, why, why are you trying to make decisions for me? Right. Because that may not be aligned with what I want to do right now. Right. Yeah. I think it's important to be careful about taking advice from people who don't have to live with the consequences, that's which is really good. Well, yeah. Which I is like pretty that. much anyone that's not you. Right? right. If people are giving you advice, but yet they're not the ones that are going to have to live with, with the advice they're giving you. Giving advice is easy, right? right? And I'm not saying don't take advice. I mean, right. we all take advice from people that we trust and we give advice in our, you know, our business lives. But just be careful. Yeah, because that goes in the day, in the business world too. Uh, oh, you shouldn't take that job. You shouldn't take this position. Well, well why? Mm-hmm. I mean, give me a solid reason why. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. Right. Not just because you think I should be doing real estate. Right. No. No, yeah. I mean, no, there's nothing wrong with it, but that's not my passion. That's yeah. not what I want to do. This is your life, yeah. and you only have one—you ch- only have one chance at this yeah. life. So be authentic to yourself and do what you want to do. Yeah. Then that you know, being authentic, surrounding yourself with authentic people. I mean, that kind of leads me into my next question about how do you grow your network in business and and personal? Um, I mean, what's the business strategy to that? Mm-hmm. It's really, really important, I believe, to have like-minded individuals around you. And when you're building your network in business or for that matter, friendships or, you know, potential relationships, I think it's really important to share values, to um, have similar goals, right? Or at least be really open with sharing those goals. Um, But I think having similar values, especially in business and in dating is really important because if you're surrounding yourself with people who don't share the same values as you, there's going to be conflict and there's going to be uh, to be issues. Um, But I think just like word of mouth and referrals in business is amazing from a dating perspective too. getting referrals from people that, you know, and you trust, that's a great strategy. When somebody comes in to meet with us, who's been referred to us by someone, there's already that credibility. There's already the level of comfort. There's a level of trust. And it's the same thing in dating. If you get referred to somebody or introduced to somebody by a good friend or colleague, 
right. know, that you trust, that's huge because. Well, yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, you you, you are who you surround yourself with, mm-hmm. right? So what are the chances? That, I mean, hey, it may not be a romantic relationship, but it could be a friendship. Exactly. They could refer you into something, you know, a job or mm-hmm. another person or, you know, I think a lot of people are afraid to ask. Mm-hmm. So there may be people out there, but they just don't want to ask. So well, I don't know who to ask. I don't know what friends of mine to ask. Well, guess what? You, if you don't ask for anything, I mean, the worst thing that they can say is no. Mm-hmm. And people have a hard time dealing with rejection in the business world and in your personal life. But I'm just like, if someone says no, I'm like, sweet, okay, keep it moving. Yeah. Like, it doesn't and, bother me. I mean, how is that going to change my my day? Right. If someone doesn't like me, <laughs> you think I care? Right. And uh, most people, negative. Most people, most people don't want to say no. Yeah. Right. Most people yeah. like helping. And if you come yeah. to them and say, listen, I really need help with this. Most people will really want to help you. Yeah. Um, I think that also goes back, though, to being crystal clear on what it is that you want. Right. Because if you're not clear on what you want, you right. can't express what you want and mm-hmm. people can't help you. You know? Yeah, I know. And they can't. And, you know, you talk about prospects like so prospecting and dating like you said we talked about it can go in the networking but in prospecting for a business I mean how important it is to have a kind of streamlined approach mm-hmm. on what you're doing because it can like we said it can be overwhelming right now if you're going for certain clients and say like for me like it's in um, nonprofits or defense I mean it, it can name tons of different nonprofits like I, I have nonprofits I have who are some of the government other ones? Contractors, government contractors? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> in this, yeah, in the in city, this area, like defense contract. But I mean, so I mean, when you're looking at that, you know, use that core group, mm-hmm. and then you can say, hey, here's my, you know, here's another company that I'm working with. Here are some of the things that they have been working on that we help implement a solution for. Right. Right. So yeah. you kind of build, build that credibility, mm-hmm. and always help your customers out first. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then if you give and give and give, eventually. You know, but but from a genuine place. Right. I think giving great service is the best marketing or prospecting you can do. I think that spending time servicing your clients mm-hmm. really, really well is worth more than spending advertising dollars, marketing dollars. Yeah. Because if you service your clients really well, how could they not talk about you? Right. They want to talk about you. They want to share you yeah. with their friends and their coworkers. Yeah. So that that's the best type of marketing. But I think also pre-qualifying mm-hmm. is really important, both in business and in dating. Mm-hmm. So when, when somebody is referred to us, we'll hop on a call with them, an initial call, and we'll get to know them a little bit better and understand yeah. what it is that they're looking looking for and make sure they're not looking for something that we don't do. And we also share high level what we're looking for um, in clients and what we do and what we don't do. And from there, we'll schedule an initial meeting. So I think in in dating, pre-qualifying is also really important. Yeah. And it goes back to those non-negotiables, right? What are you not willing to deal with? What are you What are you absolutely not willing to? Yeah, give ex- a list. A list, yeah. List it Write out. it down. Be able to express it. Know it. Yeah. Own it. Own it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and pre-qualify. So you know, hop on a phone call before you go on a date to make sure you can you can yeah. tell a lot by somebody in a conversation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So you talk about that um, servicing your clients, right? And that good customer service. So. So Bob Lundin, um, he's, he's amazing. I think he's so brilliant when he came up with this when he was talking about it. He said, you know, you need to go and do a health check and see how your customers are doing. Because I think nowadays, especially your top customers, I mean, you may have hundreds of customers, but the people that you talk to on a regular it's basis. It's the 80-20 rule. Right. right. I mean, yeah. yeah. And so, like, you know, who, who are you most in front of? So you want to say, okay, well, number one, I want to keep that relationship going. So what am I doing above and beyond? Mm-hmm. Right. Who? What's the health check on that? But how many times do we do a health check in our relationships? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think so. I mean, That's I don't true. think it's, 
I don't think we do a lot. So maybe, you know, say that nice thing like, wow, like this is awesome. Or like, let me let me help you. Like, I'll do the dishes tonight or mm-hmm. you know, add something small. Write a note to like make sure people feel appreciated. Because I think in the, this day and age, I mean, I think a lot of times like, well, I just don't we're not getting along. Well, why? Like, what are you doing to help? help the situation right. are you going b- above and beyond like you would do in business for your clients so if you're not writing a letter to your clients would you write a letter to your wife or girlfriend mm-hmm. I mean if you're not yeah. doing that then why are you doing it right right yeah and communication ha- yeah. having an open conversation we can we can tie this back to finances too because last time I checked top on the list of divorces has something to do with finances most of the time you know it's up there at least in the top five yep. And so having a conversation about finances, being fully transparent about finances, ideally when you are still dating before you even get married, yeah. you know, making sure you're on the same page, making sure you understand each other's money personalities yeah. uh, is one a saver and one a spender. Yeah. You know, those are all important things to yeah. know going into a relationship. Right. Right. And then maybe you should have your separate accounts if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. So um, we have a few more minutes. So I want to find out. Tell me about some of the exciting things that are coming up for you. Sure. One of the most exciting things I'm doing is I'm writing a book with a few other financial advisors here in the area. We are in a mastermind group. We've been meeting for a few years. And last year, we all decided that we wanted to write a book that teaches our clients who are parents how to teach their children about finances. Oh, that's amazing. It's going to be great. Yeah, I'm I can't so wait. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. When is that coming out? Do we have a date yet? I'm um, hoping probably within the next six or seven months. Nice. So we are actively working on it right now. And it's nice because the the four of us are working on it together and we all have different perspectives. and Which is good. Um, but we share the same values, which is the huge. Same core values. Yeah. <laughs> we all trust each other implicitly. So that's, that's, good. that's fun. And the other thing that we're constantly constantly working on, which has been fun as well, is we send out a monthly market update video that has been pretty well received. Oh, I love it. Thank you very much. So they're normally three to four minutes, and I only speak English. I do not use financial jargon. I'm not going to be throwing a whole bunch of nerdy jargon at you, but it's just a nice quick update on what's going on in the markets and what we're paying attention to and what our outlook is for, for the markets for the year. Well, I think that's important because I don't, I mean, do you often see that instead of like a, watching the news or watching the channel? Right. I mean, it's... That's really good. Yeah, and we keep it nice and quick because most people don't want to be, they, they care about it and they're interested about it, but they don't want to be watching a 30-minute long you yeah. know, commentary. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so we're constantly working on that as well. Awesome. Well, great. Well, thank you so much, Anne, for being here today. Yeah, it's good so to much be fun. here. And I learned a lot. Good. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. <laughs>